Football is a game of aesthetics. It's all about what does it look like. Football is a game of tradition. The man who wins the penalty can't take it. <laughs> Football is a game of passion. Oh, bollocks! Villa have scored. And that is why we love it. <laughs> Fuck me, why is this stupid game back? I think that was a real low point for me in my life. It's time to turn the volume down. Goals scored by new signings are the only ones that count. Penalties don't count. And Mamoru Saku having an absolute howler. That doesn't count either. The worst 90 minutes of football in Premier League history. He's a fraud. Sedan's a fraud. Everyone's favourite statistical fraud. Brendan Rodgers. All about the aesthetics. That's what Absolutely. I like to see. And that is just a bit of stat padding. Individual sport masquerading as a team game. Look at his Instagram. He's the ultimate beat of me. BBC Sport decided to advertise their TikTok account. Yuck. Yuck. <laughs> it just doesn't get any better than that. Hello, hello, and welcome to Under the Floodlights, where this week we'll be talking Victor Hovland winning the Hero World Challenge, Alabama beating Georgia in the SEC Championship game, Anthony Yards knocking out Lyndon Arthur, Leinster scoring seven tries to par pass Connacht, Gloucester moving to the top four with a win over Bristol, and Glasgow beat the Dragons to move in the fifth in the United Rugby Championship. I am joined as always by Chris Ringland, who has nothing to say this week. Uh, how are you, Chris? Oh, I'm very good, Billy. Um, th- that was a great intro. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Well, I'm looking forward to talking some golf with you, if you, if you really want, you know. It was, it was a big day from, from what I've read, the trend, mask my sadness. To, to, to be fair to uh, Leinster, Glasgow and the United Rugby Championship, uh, hard side to Glasgow and Munster, who are indefinitely stuck in South Africa, because they uh, travelled... <laughs> minutes before the Omicron variant was discovered. See, I think that's a better talking point and a just general topic than what occurred at half 12 on Saturday afternoon. Yes. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that anyway. Uh, first of all, the uh, thing I want to bring up is Spotify wrapped, Chris. <laughs> Spotify wrapped, indeed. Spotify. I'm not on Spotify, so this oh, right. takes me, this blindsides me every year. Oh, right. So it does. And yeah, I couldn't believe the amount of people just letting us know like where we are in their rankings. It, and it's, yeah. it's the best thing ever. I, like, it was a really bizarre day because I think it was last Wednesday because I was, I remember I was on the bus going somewhere. And it was really because like literally everybody that I was like in public with, like on the bus or like walking, everybody was looking at their <laughs> spot. I was like a mass like public moment. <laughs> I'm like, why is this such a, like, why is literally, it's almost like COVID itself. Like, everybody's involved. It's it's the best marketing ever by Spotify. It's the most yeah. genius thing ever that no one else has decided, oh, you know what, that's great, let's do it ourselves. Yes. Um, but yeah. I, I, I mean, Taylor Swift featured very heavily on most people's Spotify Unwrapped. That you just happen to be looking over shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> she also featured very heavily on mine, to be fair. <laughs> but what, it was like... It takes me back every year that we're actually on Peoples and whoever has sent through to us and if you haven't and we're on there, thanks very much for actually listening. It makes me so happy from purely one perspective of people are actually listening, but two, because I'm the nosiest person in the world and like to see what else you're listening to. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed, yeah. I I just like that mix of just seeing us in like the middle of like gossip columns or like people who like live for football and like live listen to serious football podcasts (laughs) and we're just like, we're just there, just above like proper statistical based stuff. Just just one above. Yeah, absolutely love it. Uh, Midweek as well, last week we'll bring up the Ballon d'Or, Chris. Uh, what what happened, Billy? I, I thought it was all set for Jorginho's big moments. Um, Conspiracy and, uh, theory, Chris. And uh, remarkably, it didn't go to Robert Lewandowski, but went to Lionel Messi. 
We'll sit on this podcast. I've, I've said my, multiple theories on this. Firstly, the people who voted for this didn't have the balls to <laughs> be original, so they gave it to Messi. Also, hot take that this was in Messi's contract to go to PSG. What? That he would win a France football award for best what? player on the planet in a year where he didn't do a great deal. Like, I mean, to, to be fair to Messi, right? Like, you could, I mean, judging by Barcelona's start to this season he obviously was the only literally the only reason why <laughs> they were in any way competitive to be fair to him but i mean i i, I can't really see how 64 64 goal robert lewandowski didn't win it yeah that's honestly such a farce but lewandowski <laughs> it's the fact that it was the slap in the face to lewandowski as well that earlier in the day they were like oh yeah we've two brand new awards I was like, best striker and best club. Best striker? Best striker, just so they could give him something. It's really really original. Yeah, it's just such a slap in the face. But I was like, looking at what Messi's done, and all I can look at is the Copa America. And in my opinion, that shouldn't count. Well, well, yeah. If you look at like World Cups, the last time a South American team won one was in 2002. Mm. It's a European game now. I can't take that competition seriously. Well, it. Well, I mean, it's it's still. I think South America is different because it's so. Like a lot of the teams are of the same similar kind of standard, so it's yeah. kind of like it's quite competitive. But there's there's yeah. only there's two groups down there in my opinion, and it's one has three teams, and that's Brazil, Uruguay, and Argentina. You know, teams who have a few world stars, and maybe Chile have, as well, and have potential to win it, and then just. Like real hackers, I think the rest of them are Honduras. Re- yeah, you know, there's there's no way Panama are going out there and trying to play themselves around Neymar and Messi. No. They're going out to kick the crap out of those lads for ninety minutes. <laughs> yeah, so there's. But I was looking into sort of the voting came out of what journalists voted for who. So so uh, it's only so like so it was journalists, not like uh, like football representatives. Yeah, right. Purely, purely football writer. So obviously, top three it finished. The third was Jorginho, second Lewandowski, first Messi. But I started having a look at who who voted for who. So uh, from Northern Ireland, uh, over it was, they got a vote. Yeah, we get a vote somehow. Darren Fullerton from some newspaper. Uh, his was fairly sensible. His was Messi, Jorginho, Lewandowski, Ronaldo, Haaland. Fair enough. Uh, I was looking at some of the others. Mozambique. He had Harry Kane at number four. <laughs> the, bloke, the bloke from Nepal, he had Ruben Diaz five. Uh, the, the gentleman from Portugal didn't have Cristiano Ronaldo in his top five. That bloke needs to employ security. So, so, so I, I don't think I quite clocked this. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Every football nation, regardless of whatever level they're at, got a vote. Is yep. that what we're... <laughs> yeah, we, so, right, well, France okay. football or whoever does this finds one journalist, one Brilliant. respectable journalist from each country, Brilliant. and gets them to vote for their top 30, I think it is, they have to go I, I, through. Listen, I want to see the negotiations in Bhutan chatting about, well, you know, can we, can, can we rig this? You know, <laughs> can, we, can we get Harry Kane into the top three? You know? Well, as we go down, there's two more I've picked out that I loved. El Salvador. He had Raheem Sterling too. <laughs> and like, then my fear, yeah, my favorite is the bloke from Uzbekistan, who who knows ball, 
I, I want to get this guy on the podcast because this guy knows his stuff. At number five, Kevin De Bruyne. At four, Chiellini. Three, Messi. <laughs> Two, Mason Mount. <laughs> <laughs> One, Kylian Mbappe. This guy knows ball. I, I, I'm genuinely up for reaching out to the Uzbekistan <laughs> representative of the Ballon d'Or voting. And the best thing about this is that like no, nobody would know about this unless you actually looked into it. Yeah, exactly. Cause... And they know that too. They, they know that too. The guy put Raheem Sterling at number two from El Salvador. Yeah, he definitely put a bet on or something. It says, but yeah, I'm convinced I'm not member from Uzbekistan. I think I've just somehow, they've gone through my tweets. Mason, Mason Mount. Mount. <laughs> Mason Mount at number two. Well, let me... Oh, two? Yeah, two. Uh, <laughs> the clearly lost his goal at the weekend. Um, <laughs> sure, yeah. But if you look at the, the final standings of it all, like the top 30... I was going through and just looking at some of the stuff. Mason Mount finished 19th overall. 18th was that bloke from Denmark, uh, Simon Kajar. Oh, because he... Right. I I mean, to be fair, he is a genuinely really good uh, defender at AC Milan, but yeah. yeah. He's not the 18th best player in the world. Well, 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 he's not... Well, yeah, he's not better than Mason Mount, sure. Yeah. He's above... So for context, players he's above, Riyad Mahrez, Bruno Fernandes, Harry Kane, who won both top goal scorer and top assister in the Premier League. Yeah. Pedri. Pedri got on this list purely because he played a hundred games. I just, yeah, yeah. So I don't know how good or bad Pedri actually is. He just He's just there. Yeah. He was on my TV every time you turned it on last he year. Was, he was, And then, yeah, yeah elsewhere, and as I said, Lewandowski won that made-up award of striker of the year and then club of the year. Went to Chelsea, which I'm going to start oh this days. thing now. Chelsea should never lose this. <laughs> this is Chelsea's award <laughs> every year. Hang on a sec. What is Club of the Year based Club on? of the Year takes into account the performance of the men's team, the women's team, and the youth team. Oh, I'm telling you now, Chelsea should never lose it. See if, see if uh, France football are <laughs> serious about the women's game and equality. Chelsea will never lose this. You, you are only on. You only won that because of your phenomenal women's side. Let's be. Oh honest. yeah, absolutely. Because I'm. I was thinking about this. Who else has a good women's team and has a good men's team? What's well, Leon, isn't it? It's, it's the. That's the main L- one. Leon cracking women's team. Men's team stink. Barcelona, <laughs> Barcelona's women's team won uh, the women's Champions League last season. Men's team stink. I, I, I think I, I'm pretty sure Swedish teams are the other good ones, so they're not exactly. Be they all stink. Uh, I watched Chelsea play Malmo. Uh, Arsenal oh, in yeah. the in the Women's FA Cup final yesterday. Smoke them. <laughs> so I'm, I'm putting it out there now. This is Chelsea's award every year. Oh, for goodness' sake! Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we'll go elsewhere midway because there was one moment that we wanted to discuss. And it was the Emil Smith Rowe goal against uh, Man United. Um, oh, oh yes, yeah, one of the yeah. most bizarre goals in Premier League history, as Fred stands on his own goalkeeper. It was, it was, it was absolutely rightly given. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Anyone no who could ar- I don't yeah. know how you could argue against it. Yeah, because my issue mainly was with De Gea. I think you can tell, obviously, he's a goalkeeper because he he didn't know how to go down. Uh, <laughs> like there was a bit too many seconds between things. Yeah, yeah. He, he needed he needed a, a bigger scream. He needed a couple more rolls in there. <laughs> I think if he had rolled a bit more, could have saved them. Yeah. Well, well, indeed. Yeah. You know, get yourself off the pitch, there, fella. I um, think if if he needs lessons, you know, he's in the United team. Just go to Bruno. 
Yeah, it's probably people they can learn from. Yeah. And then, yeah, elsewhere in that game, one thing that I wanted to bring up was obviously Ronaldo scored a, a late penalty winner. I'd like three game bans for Jin Sancho and Dallo after the celebration. Uh, uh, oh, did they attempt to sue uh, at the same time? They both did. Uh, <laughs> fellas, you're a grown man and playing on the same team as this bloke. Wise up. <laughs> Absolute disgrace the football, what they did. I, I'm a, I'm a Sorry, f- Why was I'm it so a, bad? Because of, you're grown men. <laughs> what are we doing here? Just let the one dude get on with it. You know, it goes back to my point earlier in the season about being the whole Comic Con crowd. Act <laughs> as though you should be on the same pitch with the guy rather than being fanboys. Right, right. That's what I kind of like about Scott McTominay in the sense of like, I mean, Scott McTominay growing up and Cristiano Ronaldo. It's like different stratospheres of like social capital, um, and uh, and now he's just like you know he's not really bothered or phased by him. It's yeah, kind of like, like he's just like there. Just just act as though you belong on the same pitch as him. You know? Yeah. What I saw from Sancho and from Dalu there was soccer and stuff. So, I, so. I have to say though, um, on like kind of on Dalu, um, I have noticed that Luke Shaw has been out of the team since Ralph has been installed, which is quite interesting. After yeah, Ra- Ralph's, Ralph's interviews are coming back to haunt Luke Shaw here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Ralph does are. not rate the boy at all. Uh, one other thing before we go on the Chris's favourite topic of the week. Uh, there was a goal yesterday in the Leicester Villa game, Chris, oh, the Jacob goodness. Ramsey goal. Oh, what was your goodness. take here, just while we're on the topic of shambolic goalkeeper? My, my take, did you see Castro Schmeigel after it? You, yeah, uh, he no, he that, got that, he got down. No, that 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 that's my take on it. Is like that was so, I I was so annoyed. I, I wasn't as annoyed at that as James Madison's interview from a couple of weeks ago when he corrected the journalist on his goal record in a really annoying <laughs> way. Um, but uh, but yeah, Casper Schmeichel said, "Oh yeah, I'm surprised I had to even go to VAR. Of course it was a foul." <laughs> And like, f- fair enough, the double hand thing is actually not a rule. It's just the kind of thing that people think is a rule. Mm. But then, then a match of the day, um, Chappers was then getting out the rule book. And was getting, was getting Leon Osman and Micah Richards <laughs> to kind of like b- break down the subordinate clauses. Like there was like live on match of the day, all the chat from Leon Osman was, where's the semicolons? Where's the commas? in the accept bit of the second part of the rule of goalkeepers touching the ball in control. Leon Like, <laughs> I, I, I've never seen anything like that in my life. Uh, like, you, you, <laughs> people need to skip the roughly uh, 20 minutes in the match of the day two oh. from yesterday. I didn't see that. The second we finish recording, I go on the wall set. I love <laughs> But, you know, a goalkeeping incident occurred and let's not bother to bring in an ex-goalkeeper or, you know, one that's injured, like Ben Foster. Let's bring in Leon, Leon Osman. But, but it, it's, it's, the punctuation. it's the fact, Billy, like it went on for like a good kind of three or four minutes, <laughs> like like a genuine conversation about semicolons. Oh, my days. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, like they could have just FaceTime Rob Green in, you know, it would have yeah. saved so much hassle. But yeah, I thought... A strange one. So it was strange, and again, that didn't matter in the end. You know, well, I was glad Villa won as a result because it shouldn't have been ruled out. Man. Yeah, Villa Villa go on the win, and Brendan didn't look too happy. So mm. all all good in my book. Uh, but yeah, on to something that I don't really want to talk about. Chris, half twelve Saturday, Chelsea West Ham, London Stadium. Uh, I mean, talk to me. I've I've run out of superlatives for this for this side, Bailey, mm. um, and like just, <laughs> I mean. 
Arthur Maswaku Bailey for a while for for because he joined in like 2016 or something. It was kind of like the it was like the first season of the London Stadium. He was kind of like one of the classic kind of fall guys for the fall of Slavin Village kind of boys <laughs> first era where he honestly can't defend and was actually all right going forward. Um, the fact that he scored a winner like that um, against Chelsea was uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, will I say it's deserved? I don't know. Maybe it was. Uh, maybe it wasn't. But I just like I just think it's so funny that six months ago we were sitting here watching this European Super League go up in flames, and now West Ham United have been every single one of those teams except Arsenal this season. <sighs> Denver Bayesque goal. Ah, just one, just one of those freak goals you see Mendy already knowing in his head this is a cross. He had a bit of a bear, Mendy, to be honest. You, you, um, you can see, you can see his right knee just completely bend, and then that moment of oh, that's going in. Because oh, uh, <laughs> even like I, I saw like mid flight, and I was like, oh, keeper's catching this. Yeah. Oh no, he isn't. <laughs> no, and uh, I think I said a couple of weeks ago on on this podcast that no bias, Jared Bowen was the most underrated player in the Premier League, and I think this game kind of i mean you, i assume you kind of got that impression from the game as well i'll be honest and it's i think for any player if you get under my skin i've got to give you <laughs> respect he really wound me up on saturday just the way he played and got on and afterwards i have to be hands up he scored everything i respect him for it but hmm. yeah it killed me inside being like i'm watching this guy he's winding me up for 90 minutes here <laughs> And then the next day, I see whenever I'm researching and I'm hurt, I see West Ham describe his goal on Twitter as world class. <laughs> now, this is a game of great respect. This was this was a same game where Mason Mount scored a worldie, and West Ham are saying that that's world class from Jared Bowen. Let's wise up here, team. I, I, I was informed by a friend that he apparently is in a relationship with Danny Dyer. I don't know if you've heard this, Billy. Yeah, I, I saw. Uh, Actual Danny Dyer, deadliest man, Danny Dyer. <laughs> Post like a photo on Instagram of the two of them. Yeah, how proud he was of Jared. Yes. <laughs> now, I was slightly concerned at the state of Zuma when he went off injured. Um, but if we have to ride it out now for the rest of the season with Dawson and Diop, they've, they've proven before that the, the... I mean, we went to a back three. We haven't played a back three all season. Um, and and Issa Diop, uh, like... He's been really bad in a lot of, tie, a lot of games Don't for West Ham. Um, he's been, you know, but fair play and uh, fair play to him. He's 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 starting to step up a little bit more now. And like, we're, if we're going to continue this form to try to be in the top four, then Dawson and Diop are going to have to step up more. And mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, I know it's hard in you know because it's your team, but the Lanzini Reese James incident, Bailey. Yeah, again, it's about respect. This game. No, I don't respect Lanzini. What what's he no, doing there? No, no. Reese James did quite heavily try to put him off through his oh, voice. Imagine, imagine that. Um, but uh, but but he scored regardless. Yeah, what, what, what does he want to do? Like I imagine there was however many thousand Chelsea fans in the crowd. Is he going to shoulder charge each one of them? <laughs> Come on here. Like what what's Lanzini done in the game? The warrant getting on like that you've scored a goal and the first thing you can think of is Reese James wise up your team in the same stratosphere as the guy oh that, that really won me oh, oh I don't know uh, let, listen Lanzini was about to play with Messi in the World Cup before he broke his kneecap but and uh, that goal against Tottenham last year it will go down in history oh, but yeah that's put a you sound like a Tottenham fan Chris 
Oh, put that in a trophy cabinet. Oh, oh, score. Oh, let, <laughs> scored a let, goal. Let, listen, unlike Tottenham, we're actually going to win a trophy in Europe this season. So, so don't worry. <laughs> see after. See if you had have recorded this with me at like three o'clock on Saturday. There would have been bedlam. Yeah, honestly, I I was hating everything about West Ham. I was tearing that. No, no. Did you enjoy you know? though that in our uh, um, our group chat that I didn't really, I didn't really make any comments. Um, the only comments that came were really from an ex-podcaster of this mm-hmm. of this podcast. So you were you were respectful, but again, I think that's partly because you knew you had this coming. Well, <laughs> well, it's it's just like you know, I, I I don't particularly care what it does for the title race, whatever. Like I just think it's hilarious that we're in the position that we're in mm-hmm. with. Arsenal, Tottenham, Man United in the three places below us. I just think it's hilarious. Yeah, and you absolutely ruined my weekend. <laughs> and again, I blame myself for this. So obviously, Chelsea were 2 1 up at half time. Uh, I was going out after the game. So, mm. for whatever bizarre reason, and I I know it myself how stupid this was, I got changed at half time. <laughs> so, I did, took, took the lucky top off, and obviously, Chelsea then go on the lose. So, my superstitions are completely warranted. Anyone who thinks I'm a crazy person, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah. elsewhere, just from a Chelsea perspective, uh, Ben Chilwell, please come back soon. I miss you. Angulo, d- similar. Did, did Alonso get injured? Is that, did I see that? Apparently he's got a sore back. He's got a sore uh, back? He's got a sore back. He's played twice. He's got a sore back. I don't know what right. he, what doing because he's not exactly sprinted forward any game I've seen. Or defended, so I don't know what he's done to himself. Yeah, we're just we're hobbling at the moment. Just injury central. I mean, everyone's I mean, hurt. I mean, it's injury central, Bailey. But let's be honest, you have the biggest squad in the Premier League. Do we though? Because everyone yeah. has twenty three players. No, 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 no. No, Every, no there's a twenty five man squad, and if you're under twenty one, you don't count as part of that that number, mm. uh, unless you want to add some homegrown people. You definitely have, in a quantifiable number, the biggest squad in the Premier League because of the standard of your reserves and um, people who you decide or don't decide to f- farm out on loan for profit. I mean, you could say, but like again, Thomas Tuchel made this point last week where he said about once one player is injured, take for left back for example, Ben Chilwell gets injured. We look before that injury, you know, you're going with Chilwell with Alonso recovered. As soon as Chilwell's injured, You've got one guy, you're not stacked then, you know, and then you look forward and, and Golo's out, Kovacic is out, Jorginho's apparently carrying a knock. We are just all over the show. Right, but like, I mean, you know, going into the season, like, you, you, you can literally grind people into the ground in pre-season and work out who cuts it. Therefore, you get Trevor Shalaba, Malang Sar, Ross Barkley, all still part of the first team. There's um, another guy who's out injured, Big Trev. Again, we are... <laughs> Everyone's our treatment room oh, must be some crack at the moment. Everyone's in there. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think you've even got that guy Lewis Baker who's been out on loan about a million times. Still uh, he's been squad. hanging about. <laughs> Charlie Mazonda, you know, there's, there's a load of guys, you know, that you've you've no, been call on. And no, I, you've just given the names of a load of deadwood. Let's be and, honest. And also, <laughs> let, let's be honest. You've also you also let um, uh, Euro 2020 winner Emerson leave on loan as well so you can't complain about left back again that's a dead white name Chris come on here you're better than that Euro 2020 <laughs> winner Emerson played, played 90 minutes in the final 
or 120 <laughs> minutes or whatever it was. Yeah, and we'll bring that up later. Actually, we're talking about the the Euro twenty twenty final. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I get one more person just want to say, I hope you're okay, Edward Mendy. I just hope I, th- I hope everything's okay at home or something. I don't know what's happened to the big fella recently. I'm thinking I'm maybe going to blame France football on it because they didn't give him best keeper in the world. I think that's what's got in his head. Well, I mean, he's still miles better than Kappa, so it's all right. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But Eddie, every now and then, see Rallard diving in for a tackle, just boot it out. Well, well, take that, a corner, well, Rallard hacking someone down. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. Yeah, but yeah, I think Chelsea play some Zenit or something in Champions League next, so hopefully there's a win there. Uh, West Ham, who are they up against this week in Europa? Uh, down with Zagreb, but we're already through to the last sixteen as group winners and skip the round of thirty-two. Handy stuff. So, European European winners this season. So let's see what happens. Yeah. And then yeah, elsewhere in the Prem on Saturday we got the Liverpool Wolves result, Chris, which again ruined my afternoon. Disheartening. Knew it was coming in a weird way. I, I obviously couldn't watch it and had the score up on BBC Sport. Seeing 94th minute, nil-nil, and still just had a funny feeling about it. And Div Okarigi does what Div Okarigi does. It, it, I mean, I, I think I think, I think think emotions ran a bit too high from, from Jürgen afterwards. I don't know whether you, you heard some of the things he said. Uh, yeah, I the quote here that he told Five Live that he thought Origi was a legend, saying he hoped people will, <laughs> people will write books about him. People write, people write books about him? Like, honestly, I mean, I actually have a bit of a, well, not conspiracy, but um, there was big chat as reported on a uh, reputable rival uh, football publication that covers different Premier League teams that the three subs for Wolves had to be told off by the coaching staff for not warming up properly, including (laughs) uh, 35 million Fabio Silva, who hasn't played this season, um, and Kiana Hoover, who formerly played for Liverpool, then proceeded to come on and in the last play of the game, yep. dribble up the pitch and lose the ball really easily and then Liverpool scored. Yeah, I did notice this about Wolves because obviously any time Wolves play Liverpool, they have Connor Cody at the back. Yeah, we, yep. we always know it's we always know Connor Cody is going <laughs> to... And yeah. then, yeah, Hoover, who is actually a red, <laughs> comes on and then conveniently, as you say, just loses the ball. Mm. Mm. Spin zone, no, but uh, can't get too angry at them. Uh, Wolves did have, I thought Wolves had a cracking game, to be honest, in terms of holding Liverpool off for as long as they did. It was real balls in the wall defending. Well, I mean, the XG was like not point not four, but yes, they did defend well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wolves are fairly uninspiring side from what I've seen of them this season. So they are going forward, and this game is no different. Well, really, I just but they it, did just. Well, I found it weird on. that they're like they're. Like setup and everything is exactly the same as it was under Nuno. Yeah, exactly. Just bring the bloke back. He's not done anything. <laughs> yeah. You know, Bruno can go back to being irrelevant somewhere in Portugal. But for for the goal anyway, for for Div, the the Wolves left back says absolute mess. I can't work out if he got himself in a mess or Salah's touch just completely. Oh yeah, the, the, killed him. The, the touch was pretty good. Yeah, the touch was sensational. The touch was pretty and, good. In the Div, Div does what he does, bangs it in. From what I can work out, Div scored four goals in his life. <laughs> he's, definitely, <laughs> he's definitely scored more, but the, the goals Div does score are always massive. And it's real low risk. It's a great position to be in for Div Origi because they're all low risk in that 
he probably comes on a hundred times and scores two late goals. But two late goals is all you need, especially yeah. in tight games like this, just to make yourself a bit of a name. But like it's but it's just it's just so bizarre that he like he's been at Liverpool so long and has yeah. never left. Whereas it's like players don't tend to kind of tolerate that for that I'm, long. I'm trying to work out now. Divock Origi, Philippe Coutinho, bigger Liverpool legacy. <sighs> you know? <laughs> well, well, the selling of Coutinho famously well, fun, yeah, fun, oh, funded Neymar and then funded all Liverpool's Champions League. Well, all that, but that's not really the legacy they want to. I suppose there is that, but yeah. All I'm trying to say is there's 98 games out of 100, Devil come on and do nothing, and no one will ever remember those. Oh, well, sorry, I do, because I think it's bang average, but yes. But those won't be in the book that Jürgen's yes. talking about. The, 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 the unauthorised biography of Divock Origi. I think, Chris, money will be made. Me and you, right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah to be fair. Because I'm trying to think back to all of his goals, and the ones he has scored, obviously, big goals have been fairly standard goals. I still go back to that goal he scored against Everton under the lights around Christmas time. Yeah. And if any other player on the planet with a bigger reputation had have scored that, we'd still be talking about it. Yeah. Like, if that's a Manchester United player, Sky Sports are dedicating 24 hours of Sky Sports news coverage every day to it. <laughs> but it was Divock Origi. Uh, yeah, 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 I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, elsewhere, that, later that evening, actually, my, my day gets even worse. Man City impossibly good team like this side tore apart a Watford team who in previous weeks had uh, beat Man United done well very well against Man United and then had a very good performance against Chelsea but this Man City team should have been 5-0 up at half time the thing I like about um, Ranieri being back is I don't know if you've noticed this or not Billy but every other manager like before the game like serious respect Oh, there's Claudio. a lot of respect. Serious respect for Claudio. Yeah. Even like they're, even Pep here. Yeah, they're all straight up handshakes, bit of a hug, you know. Yeah, it's it's yeah. great to see. No one else get Warnock never yeah. got this. <laughs> In many ways, Warnock deserved it more. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening this morning to Warnock on Talk Sport. <laughs> what was he uh, saying? At, that's an all-time guest we need to get on. That uh, <laughs> he was uh, <laughs> he was recalling the time he went to Cheltenham with Alan Brazil. Oh my days! What like what as a as a player? No, no just the, the boys out in the oh, oh, like the the horse racing. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, right. been a couple of years oh, back, and oh, he was saying goodness. about how right. he's not as much of a racer as Alan. And brought brought up the story of being up, <laughs> meeting up with Alan at half nine in the morning. Alan taking him to the Guinness Bar, and <laughs> Alan and someone else can't remember the name, but Alan and someone else had it nine pints in them by half ten. Oh my days! <laughs> <laughs> oh my days Neil Warnock uh, said that he told the bar he was drinking gin and tonics and he apparently gave the barman 20 quid so that from that moment on he would only give him tonic and that he would tell Alan Brazil that he's having gin and tonic <laughs> just so he could seem like one of the lads oh man not be um, an all time guest either of those two actually <laughs> I, I, I did notice though that um, that Ipswich just sacked their manager so he may be in for another um Get him done. Yeah. Get him done. Because, yeah. well, that was another thing he was talking about. He was talking about his absolute disdain for the chairman of Borough. <laughs> what, 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 on Talk Sport? 
Yeah, he was like the command. He was like the guy couldn't look me in the eye when he sacked me. I was like, <laughs> I was like Neil, Neil, Neil Warnock revenge season twenty twenty two. I'm pretty sure that guy Steve Gibson's quite well thought of in, in English football, but well, not now. His name's been dragged through the mud. <laughs> So it has, but anyway, back, back to the proper manager, Pep Guardiola. <laughs> yeah. uh, by, by the time Watford had actually scored in the 74th minute, this game was dead and buried. And I think one player I want to point out, Danny Rose, needs to retire. I have no respect for the guy. Four minutes in, just allows Raheem Sterling and Jack Grealish to run by him. And then two goals from Bernardo Silva, who I think if we go back in the summer, was trying to leave. Yeah, he's been... He's almost fulfilling like all the football manager prophecies about him, where he always ends up becoming like the best player in the world. Well, Pep, if you listen to Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola is convinced he is right now. I mean, he's not, is not, which is an odd take. He's yeah. not Musala is, but he yeah. is up there. Yeah, yeah, he's had a, he's had a good couple of weeks. Musala's had a good season. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Bernardo just lovely left foot in the guy. It's we go back to left footers just they have better than right footers. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So there's so Bernardo, keep that going. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're planning to talk about Brighton at all in this can't remember we're planning I mean, to. I mean you can talk about Brighton. What, what do you want to say? Well I just want I just want to raise the because no, nobody in the mainstream media seems to be making the point. The um, mainstream news. No, no, I, I'm not one of these kind of like, oh you're the media. Um you know, <laughs> like, you know I, I'm not one of these guys, but Bailey, Brighton haven't won a Premier League game in ten matches. So is <laughs> I'm it, just looking at them now. <laughs> so is it like are you so is that like is that is that good or is that bad in your opinion? I'm looking at their position and their points. To have twenty points and they have not won a game in ten. I'm really impressed. They've won as many games as Watford. <laughs> but there you go, you know, like they're not doing a great deal, but they're somehow ninth. 20 points, you know, they're one point behind Man United, two behind Tottenham. Like, it's ridiculous, right. considering but, they've but, not right. actually done anything. They're not losing, but, but they're not winning. But projected out to the end of the season, and they continue to draw and draw and draw, then they'll just be 16th like every other season? Ach, no, they'll finish around where they are. There'll be well, no danger. Because they never have, to be honest. You know. No, they'll hang around there, so they will, you know, how many more draws can you get? You know, one, one point away, get yourself about 40 points. But, but I mean, Neil Mopai in the past couple of games, Billy. I mean, yeah, Neil has to look at himself because we always go on Brighton's, Brighton's XG and this guy just breaks him. Like, his interviews in the past couple of games, Billy, are a disgrace. Like, <laughs> and, 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 he was, and he said something like, oh, as we say in French, it felt like déjà vu, as if we don't know what déjà vu means. <laughs> I mean, honestly. <laughs> We're going back to GCSE French. Honestly, deja vu. Neil honestly scores in the 98th minute. That's probably the latest goal in the Premier League this season so far. I, I couldn't believe that. Yeah. So does, yeah, that must have really ground your gears. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was Brighton West Ham midweek, wasn't it? Actually. Uh, yeah, we, we have never beaten uh, Brighton in the Premier League since they got promoted. I'll be honest. That's your fault. Uh, well, well, yeah, no, it, like it is, but it, it has to be. Your it's all. Fault. It's also annoying. Like, yeah, I imagine it is. Imagine every time this fixture comes around, you're being like, right, finally, I'm gonna get this moment on the podcast now. But it's the fact that he was saying, like, you know, oh, well, you know, like on Saturday, I was like, I was a man, like, I was the worst striker in the world, and now I'm, <laughs> now I'm brilliant again. Like, he literally said that verbatim in the interview, and I was like, pal, like, like, take a day off, like, you know. <laughs> 
Honestly. <laughs> I love you. Who's someone who hates Brighton week in, week out. It's like, you take a day off, not me. I was going to bring like, Brighton up. I, I just, like, I just don't hear, like, like, like um, we, know, we all know how amazing, how amazing Graham Potter is. I just, I, I, I don't get that, like, this is, this is like the epitome of coaching. I just, I don't get it. Like We've said it before, Chris, and that's the reason it never gets brought up on BBC or TalkSport or anything. They're a nice wee club. They're a nice wee team. They're a nice wee manager down by the coast, nice wee stadium. I honestly think under the radar, I think the fact that the, they booed them, last, the fans booed them uh, last Saturday, I, I think there's an underlying kind of like thing that's hidden with those fans. I think there's there's more going on that, than people let on. You reckon there's a coup coming? No, I I just reckon like on the on the surface level, oh, lovely club, lovely stadium, but the fans are actually right, you know. You're thinking they're going to make a breakaway club. You know the way there's that FC United of Manchester. I've ju- I've ju- I just it was it was the footage after that Crystal Palace and that nonsense derby. I think again, menu may start setting up FC Albion of Brighton and Hove. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's the way forward here. So um, and then on to another team who hadn't won in forever and got a win on <laughs> Saturday, Newcastle Burnley. Sean Deitch, hang your head in shame. You're listen, the manager who allowed this to happen. Listen, Burnley are not going down. They've won win in they're, all season. They're not going down. It's the same every year, really. Like, you know they're not going down. I know, but you, you know they aren't, but you look at it and you're like, Norwich have won more games than them. Yeah, but Norwich are still bottom. I know, but there's just something about this Burnley team at the moment where I'm like, this is the year. And I don't want it. I never want it to be the year. I love Sean playing 4-4-2 four, four, Trust the Brexit process. Ball. Trust, trust the Brexit ball process. Yeah, because I'm, I'm thinking. Well, the, the Irish fell at the back. Month, oh, fantastic, um, big big <laughs> Collins. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking over the course of the next month. You know, freezing cold football, Aye, more Christmas, the Christmas fixtures. Yeah, yeah, this is Sean's bread and butter time of the year, isn't it? It is, and uh, I mean, fair, fair play to to Eddie Howe. Um, like you know. Fair, fair play to him, gets the win. But also, is... uh, people actually forget that he very briefly managed Burnley. He actually left Bournemouth oh, yes. and uh, came back after a stint at Burnley. Where yeah, he's I... not a Burnley guy. Yeah, yeah he's just... <laughs> he, he doesn't suit the vibe. No, no. There um, at all. Very, very different mix. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of this game, I have no respect for Newcastle. No respect well, for well, we know, Well, we know you don't, yeah. And, and well, it's just generally a club, but... I thought maybe, you know, the players, I like some of them, I like Colin Wilson, I like Alanson Maximum. After the game, I saw selfies and photos in the training room as though they had won the Champions League. Oh, I, I hadn't seen that. Yeah, beating Burnley. I mean, they, they also... Bit of pride in yourselves. <laughs> they also took on, um, they took down the Sports Direct um, things yep. in the stadium. Finally. I saw as well. So Stavely would have loved seeing that today. Uh, but in terms of the goal, they're absolute mess from Nick Pope. Nick Pope, yeah. every time you think, or we've thought for years, you know, this guy could maybe play for England, you know, take them into the tournament. And then there's moments like this where you're just like, well, Pickford's ahead of him. And then now we obviously know now Aaron Ramsdale's ahead of him. Well, he's, well, he's still better than Pickford. He's still better than Pickford technically, but he doesn't have the trust of Southgate. And any time you're like, oh, maybe he could work his way in there, has a 
harder like this still takes a very good finish from Callum Wilson to beat him. Yeah. But absolute mess from. Yeah. And elsewhere in this game, if you need any answer as to why these teams are where they are in the league, just look at the finishing of Almiron and Vidra. Shambles. <laughs> so tough. But Vidra's a quite a weird player because he, like, for a couple of seasons was like by far the best championship striker when Watford begun their kind of weird signing all these random international people and having all these managers phase. B- believe he was championship player of the year, the the year he's at Derby. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, Derby yeah, as well. Yeah. He just needs to go back down there. He's, I'm sorry, he's not a Premier League player. Yeah. He, he, yeah. He, he can grind it out over 46 games in the championship, but 38 in the Premier for him, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So elsewhere, just two other things I want to bring up is the Leicester Villa game, the colour of the kits in this game, Chris, shambles. What, uh, the Leicester Villa game? Yeah, the Leicester Villa game. So Villa obviously in their normal home kit and then Leicester turn up in like this grey kit. A grey and pink? Yeah, didn't work at all for me. I, yeah. Especially if you're like a colourblind viewer, you've not a clue what's going on in that. There was a game last week that I think it was worse for that. It was like, I think it was Leeds were in kind of like Navy and they were playing whoever it was. Um, yeah there was a game last weekend I can't remember which one it was but there was the Premier League need to sort this out in terms of kits keep it simple you know have have two kits your main colour maybe a white and if that's going to clash have a mad one like an orange or a yellow yeah so although, to although, stop this nonsense well although Norwich's didn't work for me uh, against Spurs theirs, was, theirs was, was too dark for Norwich yeah Norwich's kit in general doesn't work both well, of them yeah. shockers yeah it is a bit yeah and then the other thing I want to bring up before going to end the mud is the state of Everton Football Club, Chris. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of under the radar in crisis, yeah. Um, like under the... No, this is a full-blown nuclear disaster, what's going on in I mean, I mean, right like, it, I mean, they're, they're, the, the, the objective now is to stay up. Yeah, from where you look at them, start of the season, you know, they're flying. And, I mean, rightly so, the director of football has left because when you look at their kind of transfers over the past couple of seasons, they've seriously overspent on, like, you know, like Axel will be for like 30 million, you know, this kind of stuff. Horror signing, Honestly, Gilfie Sigurdsson like, 50, James Rodriguez, some horror Well, like, Gil- Gilfie Sigurdsson was a good player, but he certainly wasn't 50 million, yeah. Yeah, and honestly, such a bizarre football club at the moment. I was actually thinking earlier when I was thinking about Everton, Remember last season, around October, Carlo Ancelotti, Everton. I was thinking about going top back of the to the old pods. Yeah, they're top of the league. No fans in the stadium. You're thinking, let's lock it, do it. And now they're back to just being Everton. <laughs> Got smoked midweek. Yeah. Um, I, I, I did enjoy, though, when Seamus Coleman was um, laying into Jordan Pickford, like, straight away. I, oh, I, I did enjoy yeah, that. Some, someone needs to. <laughs> Every now and then, fair play to Seamus because that performance last Wednesday was a disgrace. Yeah, uh, but uh, yes, and apparently Rafa had sacked all of his medical staff because he wasn't happy with how Calvert Lewin and Ducure were coming back from from injury. Rafa's one of these people needs to look in the mirror before he starts judging other people. If you're sacked, that's one of those real Rafa. Just like, yeah, because if you're sacking the medical staff of all people. Well, well, if you they're know, not doing a good it, job, they're not doing a good job. But it's not the medical staff's fault that he can't put out an eleven on a Saturday. Listen, or we only decent. we only know that or don't know that if there was a, a, a invasive football documentary that was filmed. Uh, that's the only way we would know. 
when they won for Everton because yeah. I, that would be a clown show and play Arsenal tonight we don't know the results so this could come oh, back to bite us they could go out there and put in a shift yeah <laughs> later on yeah. well then in the mud this week is the Euro 2020 final for England and the report that came out this week Chris do you have a chance to read any of it? Um, I, 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 got the, I got the gist. Yeah, so from what I was reading here is that the report by Baroness Casey said there was a collective failure in planning for the match, which about 2,000 people got into illegally. Uh, her report said there was collective failure in planning, including a vulnerable stewarding operation lacking experience, partly because of the pandemic and partly because the police arrived too late. <laughs> Uh, apparently the knowledge that 25,000 of Wembley's 90,000 seats would be left empty because of COVID restrictions contributed to a perfect storm of factors. He says that we're genuinely lucky that there was not much more serious injury or worse and they take the toughest possible action against people who think a football match is somehow an excuse to behave like that. There was actually, as you go down, like some of the stuff's horrifying. Whenever uh, you read, yeah. there's there's uh, an account here of a ticketless fan impersonating a steward and hijacking a disabled child, what? separating them from their family in order to trick his way through the gate. What the heck? Almost like, the guy, the the father of the child's story is probably heartbreaking. Whenever you read into it a bit more, uh, but what she was saying is here, and what I find really sad about it is, whenever they're going back and talking about the stewards. There was obviously England going to lose. They were winning 1-0 up at Luke Shaw early goal. But the word that keeps coming up is relief from the stewards and stuff that England didn't win. Because I think what they were most concerned about was England winning the gates opening and then that crowd that was all on Wembley Way pounding into the stadium. It's which a, I didn't, didn't even factor in my thinking. It's, it's, it's not been a great year for the police, really. Police football fans, yeah, it's absolute shambles. Yeah. So it's but yeah, she doesn't really there's a weird balancing act with this report. Obviously, it goes through and talks about alcohol and drugs being a factor in all these fans and they're not really been an area to sort of tailgate before games like this and the lack of like fan zones around London in general. Because well, as you've seen that day, remember there was just like fans just in the streets just throwing bottles at each other yeah I, I mean i think the problem was because it was like the start of july this yeah. was like this was just before the restrict the covid restrictions actually ended so you had all these people who had been pumped up for tw- you know 18 months for this kind of moment of like release or whatever and and then and then because you didn't have the fan zones and stuff because of covid mm. i mean like i remember when all the scotland fans went down everybody got covid it was bedlam you know, yeah, because 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 that age group hadn't been vaccinated by that stage either. Well, there was that thing as well with it. I think they were sort of making up the COVID rules as they went along throughout the tournament. I was watching the clips <laughs> yeah. of England Euros last night, actually, and it was show. I've seen like the first game. You've seen the lack of fans in Wembley that day, right? And then as England slowly but surely progressed, more and more started to get in. So it was, and then obviously you get the final to class July day. And the country just lost the plot. Yeah. For the, yeah, it was an absolute, absolute shambles all around. So, it's, but they, there's a real fine balancing act, actually, if you read some of the language in it of, yes, this is a disgrace, but she doesn't really blame anyone because England want to host the World Cup. Oh, uh, well, like, well, there's a lot of it. This was a disgrace, but it wasn't as bad as it looked. Well, I, well, I mean, England obviously could host the World Cup. 
Uh, mm. Probably wouldn't be during a pandemic. No, uh, it probably but, would be alright and be shared a bit more out. I reckon. I think it's supposed to be a joint UK and Irish bid. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, like for in COP twenty six here, which is probably slightly comparable with the large scale event. Mm. You know, there was a bit of heavy handedness, but on the whole, kind of went all right. Yeah, um, but yeah. Well, if you would like to make before we finish up, uh, so there was a figure here. It says about six thousand people were planning to storm the stadium at full time. What? Like the, who are these six thousand people? Well, that lot who were kind of just stood on Wembley Way. Apparently, they were all doing it. I don't know where they've got this number from. Well, but have just they been watching of... too much of the White House in January. <laughs> <laughs> but if you'd like to take a guess, Chris, on the number of arrests that day? Oh, like, like single digits. Well, you're not for uh, 51, which I thought was a stupidly low number. It feels like not very many. Yeah, for all the videos we saw that day, you know, of like them pounding over the stewards, ticketers and stuff. And then I also remember that one steward who was just booting people. F- football is, is strange, the way it, what it makes people do, you know? Yeah, it's bizarre. Like, so it is, you know, it's, yeah. it's a final. Like I, I get it, it's a final and everything, and there was empty seats. That was my thing. That's where I thought anyone that did storm Wembley was a moron. Because if you look at where they all stood, it looked like it was just on, you know, kind of the walkways down towards the seats. We're being told there's 25,000 empty seats. Go find one. It's not <laughs> difficult. I think the problem is as well is that, you know, you know we love to kind of roast, you know, rightly we roast places like Russia. Mm. Um, but then like, you know, 2018 World Cup final, like almost perfectly hosted, you know. Oh well, that's what that's what's reported, Chris. Well, well it's maybe perfectly hosted because people are br- you know kind of brought into line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people are terrified to do anything like this over there. <laughs> but uh, I, I think as well, um, Wembley's right in the middle of quite a metropolitan part of London, and the the stadiums in other countries like Russia are kind of like purpose built. Yeah, they're like middle of the forest. Yeah. So they are. Yeah. But yeah, in the mud this week. One person that was nearly in the mud, actually, just before I finish up, Jude Bellingham. Oh, Jude Bellingham, he's been well, investigated. Well, I, 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 don't know if, I don't know if he deserves to be in the mud more than the, the referee. Yeah, so uh, just for context, Jude Bellingham's after uh, Borussia Dortmund lost a Bayern this weekend. Same, of course, much interview. You give a referee that has matched fixed before the biggest game in Germany. What do you expect? To, to be fair, like that is a that is a fact. He's not wrong. That is a factual reality that that referee would was banned for match fixing. Yeah, so I, I don't get where the appeal is coming from or who's going to investigate this no, because. Well, yes, and I think more players just they are just like calling the question referees. <laughs> Just been like, yeah, he's a fraud. <laughs> you know, what, what yeah. can you do? Yeah. So, that's, but yeah, that, I think that's going to wrap us up for the week, Chris. Any any final thoughts? Um, uh, yeah. Um, in your triumphant week, you know, drinking it. Well, listen, I, I I think the listeners will appreciate that I have been I've been you know quietly kind of reserved and just you know like been stoic about it. You know, that's actually hurting me more. I'd rather be like <laughs> full in my face. You take it like the higher ground as though this result should happen. It's, <laughs> it's like hurting it's, here. It's just like, I, I just want to, like, what I want to see is, like, after that result, when David Moyes gets into the house, you know, like, I just want to hear kind of what he's chatting about with his family after that. Yeah, he's gone down Danny Dyer's Instagram being like, I hope Jared and her are okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I, like <laughs> I imagine he's doing that, and then he's just kind of watching replays of Maswaku's goal, just going, <laughs> he thought yeah. it was a cross. <laughs> <laughs> He'll never do that again. Yeah. Oh, but yes, that wraps us up for the week. Thanks very much, Chris, and thanks everyone else who listens, and we'll see you next week.